contracts, intellectual property, labor law, and much more. Make up the, the wonderful world of entertainment law. Let's take a moment and learn about this vast area law. Lights, camera, action. And scene. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of End Scene, an entertainment law podcast. I'm Evan Narr. And I'm Tony Lee Costas. And this week, we'll be discussing Disney's 100th anniversary with an emphasis on Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, intellectual property and licensing in video games and beyond, and our three favorite movie trilogies. But before we begin episode two, we wanted to give a huge thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We've received some great feedback, and we're continuously looking to grow, so please do not be afraid to reach out to us, tell us your candid thoughts, and we can incorporate it moving forward. As we mentioned in the first broadcast, part of the goal is to appeal to lawyers and non-lawyers alike and discuss trending topics in the industry, as well as evergreen intellectual property and entertainment realms, so we're very excited to bring you that subject matter today, next week, and as long as Ensign is in existence. To infinity and beyond. To infinity and beyond, to quote the great Buzz Lightyear. And of course, with our usual cadence, we have to disclaim that our opinions are our own in 50, 50, uh, 50,000 font, 50, font, font and they do not reflect the opinions of our employers. And before we begin, you know, Tony, you were, you were saying really nice things about me last week, and that really was nice to me. So I want to <laughs> return the favor. Aww. And you, you were talking about how you wanted to be a resource for law students, uh, you know, after law school and avail yourself, you kept on using that term, <laughs> avail yourself to students. And, you know, I really have to thank you for that. And I would honestly say if you didn't, you know, take me under your wing and let me come to ABC and, and get some coffee on you, uh, you know, I don't know if we'd be sitting here today. Obviously, you know, I was in your class, but I think our friendship began at that stage. I think so. Yeah. So I, I really do, you know, obviously, I texted you that one night at dinner saying, hey, let's make a podcast. But I do owe a lot of our friendship to you and your willingness and your altruism towards other students. And I'm very appreciative Thank of that. Thank you so much, Evan. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. So let's get into it. So we mentioned earlier, it's the Disney 100th anniversary. And it's actually the 100th anniversary of Walt Disney Studios, which was founded by Walt Disney and his brother, Roy Disney. That's correct, yeah. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> so it, it's the centennial anniversary of it, and, and Disney is really capitalizing on this. Let, let me just add, Disney is capitalizing on all their anniversaries because yes. we just came off fresh 50th, off the fiftieth at Walt Disney at Walt World. Disney World. Yep. And then we have for, uh, the fortieth anniversary of Epcot. Yep. They had like a ton of different merch there, and now Disney one hundred. I mean. Before you know it, they're going to have like some arbitrary anniversary. Oh, and I even forgot. I, I don't know how long ago, but even Disneyland Paris had uh, the 30th yes. anniversary. I, you know, I think I, I was in Paris recently. I'm trying to remember when it was. Uh, you know what? I went in 2018 and it was the 25th anniversary. Yeah. So I think 30th was like either this year or... or Last year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you, they're, Disney is good about you know, capitalizing on their anniversaries. It's merch, so. I, me and you got pins. 
<laughs> we do. You exactly. should see Tony's pin collection. Oh, it's something. Very impressive. My wife's is even more impressive. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> something. So, so, you know, they're, they're rolling out merch left and right, right? And and we actually got some merch at the Disney store in Times Square. Sure did, yeah. We, we got the, what would you, like the water, what's it called? The it's a water tower. Water right? tower, yeah. right? From Walt Disney Studios. And we have it in our respective offices. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, there's celebrations at Disneyland and all of that stuff, but no conversation about Disney 100 is complete without a discussion of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And what went on behind the scenes with Oswald the Lucky Rabbit is kind of crazy. And I know it's one of your favorite stories. So It really is. Um, not many people, I think, pay homage to Oswald. They're very quick to omit him from the Disney story because obviously everybody thinks of Mickey Mouse as like the character of Walt of the Walt Disney Animation Studios, Disney as a company. In fact, Disney even like markets it as that. Like it all started with a mouse. Exactly. Like you you see that at all of their parks and all that stuff too. But that's not really the case. Not quite. Uh, it, I mean, it's interesting because technically, a rabbit was what started it. Um, that doesn't sound as like <laughs> not as catchy. Sexy, yeah. A mouse, or mouse is a singular word. Rabbit is a two-syllable word. So I think they exactly st stuck to you know being succinct. So Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, if any of you don't know, is a character that was created by Walt Disney and Ub Iwerks back in 1926. This is right at the heart of when uh, the Walt Disney Brothers Animation Studio was just starting. They're getting into the animation space, and let me put it to you this way. Today, in 2023, we have the streaming wars with Hulu and Disney Plus and MGM Plus and Paramount and all these different juggernaut streaming services. 2023 is the streaming wars as the 1920s was the animation wars oh, because yeah. everybody wanted to get into the animation space. So Universal Pictures was very, very much on the forefront wanting to get into this space. But of course, they didn't. They themselves didn't have the capacity to do that. So they basically entered into a work-for-hire agreement with Roy Di uh, with uh, Walt Disney and Ubi Works to create a character that kind of was like in the same vein of like Felix the Cat, if you will, like a, a funny, lovable character. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to go with the uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit character. So before we go a little bit further, just to give audience members who aren't familiar, work-for-hires are very commonplace, especially in the intellectual property space. And it's just legal terminology that means that somebody is hired to do the work on behalf of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So essentially, in this case, uh, you know, uh, Walt Disney, Ub Iwerks, they're hired, their team is hired to basically do this project on behalf of Universal. At the end of the day, the delivery, all the shorts that feature um, that feature Oswald the Lucky Rabbit are going to belong to Universal, and it's not going to be under the purview of the Walt Disney Animation uh, team. So they did this for a few years, and basically things started to fall apart towards the end of the 1920s, so like 1929, 1930, um, mainly because at that time, a lot of the animators for Walt Disney's team defected. And so, you know, I think from a business point of view, they realized that it was more important to focus on Mickey Mouse and build a brand out of that. Mm -hmm. So essentially... This character, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, just floated out there in the ether. A lot of the animations uh, animators from Disney's team left. They go join Universal to create their own animation team. For a while, they ended up creating uh, a few shorts of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And then, it, by 1950... Not used. Not used. Sits in the vault and mm. is basically sitting there, sitting in dust for almost 50 years. Mm. A little bit over 50 years. 
But this is the part that I love. Um, and this, I think, just goes to show you how what I've told people and what I've told students, IP is everywhere. This is no questions asked. This is a good example of how you can really capitalize on intellectual property licensing and it's it's so it's so adamant it's like right there in your face so how how the heck did disney get the rights back al michaels was the play-by-play commentator for abc sports when we the uh, abc had the contract for the nfl sunday night football games they lost it to nbc mm-hmm. john madden goes over to nbc to do the sunday night football games al michaels misses his buddy to do the podcast so why not use his services? Uh, why not take those services of his that he's talented and good at and use that as bait to get back one of the most iconic comic, uh, characters, the cartoon characters that Disney has ever created. So Bob Iger, when he first came in, he traded the rights of basically the services of Al Michaels' contract to perform uh, play-by-play commentary for football in exchange for all the trademark and character rights for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Isn't that kind of crazy when you think about it, that a man, like a living human being, (laughs) his contract was traded for the copyright and intellectual property rights of a a fictional character. It's really amazing. And And honestly, that's a credit to Bob Iger to realize the rich history that Disney, Walt Disney created, that yes, obviously Mickey Mouse and Pluto and Minnie and all the other characters play a very vital role to that franchise, to that brand. But... Oswald literally helped pave the way to create Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you go on Oswald's Wikipedia page, he's a distant relative of Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. You know, even, I mean, even that's acknowledged. So obviously it was very, very important. But I think, and you can certainly comment on this, uh, Evan, because obviously this is more in your your wheelhouse. You know, this, I think, highlights how Bob Iger was aware of branding Mm -hmm. and how building a portfolio um, is important to you know, the success of a company, you know, if you realize that you have IP assets out there that are just sitting and not being used and you have the opportunity to acquire them and you make something out of it, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, the fact that he's now taking these Oswald characters now and it's making, you know, mascots and they're in parks and you're making merchandise, that's a credit again to Bob Iger. Yeah, and as Mel Brooks aptly put it in Spaceballs, merchandising. Merchandising, exactly. <laughs> when he played yogurt in Spaceballs. It, it's so true. And Disney fans are truly, you know, fanatics. We're, we're you know, yeah. candidly, we are, Absolutely. I would say, Disney fans. Yeah. But, you know, you people buy dolls, they buy, uh, you know, Funko Pops, they buy, um, you know, posters. Like, it's crazy. And, Bob Iger in 2017 at D23, you know, made an announcement about this and and the crowd went crazy. And we're going to play the clip for you right now. Before Mickey Mouse, there was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. You also know that Walt was heartbroken to lose him soon after he was created. But we were thrilled to get him back about 80 years later. I know that sounds like a small thing in the grand scheme of Disney today but it's actually one of my proudest moments because it was a great way to honor our founder, Walt Disney. And I think he'd be thrilled thrilled to know that Oswald is back home. So you can hear from that audio clip how excited Bob Iger is. And and I read his book too. He really really understands business practices. And he's now installed back as CEO of Disney, took back over uh, from Bob Chapik. But I, I think this goes to show, he said in, in, in the, the clip that we just played, 
how important Oswald was to the Disney family. I mean, when you think about it, the work for hire concept's kind of crazy. The, you, you understand that the work you're doing, the passion project that you're making, you're not the copyright owner, even though you are the one creating it. So, I mean, I think this goes to show how nice it is that he's quote unquote back home, Oswald, and you know the fans were loving it in, in the audience too. I guess uh, poignant that the Disney 100 anniversary, Oswald's a really central character, even though he was kind of dormant in the IP portfolio, you know, whether that was with Universal or where, wherever he was before, he, he's pretty lively now. And you, you go into the Disney store, you go online, there's a ton of stuff you can buy. Absolutely. So I think it goes to show the importance of, again, bringing him back home um, and the importance of branding and, yeah, and okay. the IP portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely one lucky rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you had to put the fun in there. Yeah, exactly. So while we're on the subject of Oswald, it's important to note that the reason Bob Iger thought of trading Al Michaels' contract uh, to Universal, or NBC, excuse me, was because it was pitched to him to use Oswald in a video game, right? So, you know, let's talk about video games. Yeah. It, it recently came out that Blumhouse, which is a horror production studio behind movies like Get Out and Us and Halloween Kills, and I, I think Paranormal Activity too, mm -hmm. yep. they're going to be entering the gaming space here. Uh, a new division called Blumhouse Games, and it'll be focused, and this is a direct quote from the company, original horror-themed games for console, PC, and mobile audiences. So that's pretty interesting. And I think we're seeing a lot of you know, kind of the revival of video game franchises. And this goes to show how Hollywood is just using the IP. Not They're not beating it to death, but they are using IP in any which way they can, right? So we have, you know, video game franchises like Uncharted, the new one with uh, Tom Holland and yep. Mark Wahlberg. And I actually saw an interview with Mark Wahlberg where he said he was supposed to play Nathan Drake. Oh. And this was in 2009, but it took so long. He grew so old for the role. This is, this is what he said. Like, this is how I know that I'm old. That's because Tom Holland was going to be taking over as Nathan Drake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have Uncharted. We have Mortal Kombat. We have Sonic with Jim Carrey, who is phenomenal yeah, really in the role. Is. Really has done a good job with that, I man. really like the Sonic franchise. It's, it's very, it's campy, but it's fun. Like, it's fun. Yeah. And James Marsden's great, too. Yep. I really enjoy it. And also, oh, my God, how the studio was bullied out of the first... <laughs> The first. Can we just talk about how not only was he were they making fun of every awful CGI rendition of Sonic, but Ugly Sonic makes an appearance in the Chippendale <laughs> Rescue Rangers uh, yes. movie. Like, come on, if that's not like poking fun at like the best thing ever, like the best meme ever. Honestly, they did Disney <laughs> on a, a standing ovation to all of you honestly it was it was pretty interesting and you know again just listing a few more we have the halo series on paramount plus tomb raider with alicia vikander i think that came out in uh, 2017 or so uh and then most recently we have the last of us right the show on hbo starring pedro pascal and bella ramsey as joel and ellie respectively and first of all it is a great show Really is, and, and the clickers, the infected people in the show. You, you were telling me this is all practical effects, complete practical effects. The just the fact that you have to, they have you have actors sitting in those like fat suits. And yeah. it's like it's like so vile and disgusting. <laughs> like we, do you remember when the uh, when Matt Reeves released the uncut version of when um, Barry yes. Keegan was playing Joker? Yes. Spoiler what, alert. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert. 
Do you remember when we commented about how disgusting he looked with like the sores and everything? But it's great. And also, you know, we have a young actress like Bella Ramsey. I mean, you can only be scared, you know. A great example of this is Pennywise from It. Yeah. I think they kept Skarsgård, who played Pennywise, away from the kids until they shot the scene. So that was like genuine horror Absolutely. in their eyes. No question. So I think that that's just going to show you like how grotesque these characters are. And how great the, the makeup artists the are. The makeup artists did a great job really showcasing realism. No questions asked. And, you know, so what I do for The Last of Us, I've, I've never played it before, but they just released a remastered version for PS5. Hollywood always capitalizing. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, um, what I do is I play the game up until when the episode airs. So within the span of the week that I, in between Sunday episodes, I'll get to the spot where the episode ends because I just want to see what it's like, the comparison. Because yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil it for myself. Of course. I think that's a good way to approach a show, for sure. But it's fun. And, and you, you see that the fact that they released a PS5 remastered version, they're, they're just constantly thinking of things, right? And beyond just movies and TV shows, you have these location-based experiences, right? I think Universal Studios in Hollywood just opened the Super Mario World. Yep. And I've seen some pictures and, and the the dining options and the overall ambiance and experience really feels like you're in the game. And they gamified the world. So yes. you actually get like a magic band type of device. You can go to the blocks, you can get coins. And actually I just learned that with those coins, you could take it over to your Switch mm. and you can rack up basically, uh, um, I guess like credits or points when you play like Mario Kart or any other Mario games on Nintendo Switch. And that's kind of similar to like Harry Potter world too. Yes. If, you have, if you have a wand, you could like, Wingardium Leviosa, and then you can have water spit out of <laughs> exactly, a certain thing. Exactly. So I, I love that interactive concept. And again, this is all from, you know, Super Mario was in, in a video game before. And then going hearkening back to our con, our conversation last week, John Leguizamo yep. played Luigi. He was the first Luigi. First Luigi uh, in the which, Super Mario. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I, and correct me if, you, if I'm wrong, an audience member can correct me, but if I'm not mistaken, Super, Ninten- Super Mario Brothers from 1993 or 1994, the stars Bob Hoskins as Mario and uh, Luigi as uh, John Leguizamo. I believe that's the first movie that was adapted from a video game. Mm. So I think that that was almost like the chain reaction that kind of started this whole wave of you know t- turning video game franchises into something outside of a TV show, uh, you know, into a TV show or movie. And, and a lot of the you know going on behind the scenes as well, licensing is a huge component of Absolutely. this. And licensing is what I do every day for my job. Yeah. So basically, you know, for, for the uh, listeners out there, l- the licensing concept, I mean, almost every time you go to a store, like a collectible store, you'll see licensing in some component going on. Absolutely. So basically, the concept of licensing is you have two parties. You have the licensor, the person that owns the intellectual property, the trademark, copyright, patent, whatever have you. And then the licensee is the person that, for usually for a fee, gets to use that intellectual property. And, you know, there's usually a duration of time and certain other stipulations, minimum guarantees. Like, there's a ton of things that go on behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, the concept of licensing is really how you don't infringe on any marks. And it's a hugely important thing to do to not get in trouble with the law and also to generate revenue streams. Um, 
we could talk about fair use another time. I, I see you right now. Your eyes are foaming burning. At the <laughs> You're foaming at the I see you. Fair use is a defense for infringement. Wow. I, I turned you all young Padawan. Yes. I, hello, you. hello there. <laughs> hello right. there. Hello there. Um, and again, th- we'll talk about it another time. But, uh, you know, so licensing is a hugely important part. And, and recently in FIFA 23, which is um, out by EA Sports, right? They're the, the producer of that game. Ted Lasso, this iconic character from the Apple TV show played by Jason Sudeikis, uh, owned by Warner Brothers. And, and I think Apple and Warner Brothers have some sort of relationship with that. Actually, fun fact, it was originally Ted Lasso's character was created by NBC Universal yes. to, to advertise the Premier League games on NBC. So the character rights were licensed out to Warner Brothers that then has the distribution to Warner. To Wasn't Apple. just like a quick YouTube clip, like supposed to be real funny? Yeah, and, that's and it, exactly what it was. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, what is this? <laughs> but it's turned into a really wholesome show that talks about, you know, life, being divorced and running a team there's a lot of messages behind every episode and season three is coming out very yeah spring yeah very soon anyway all this to say that warner brothers licensed ted lasso and the afc richmond team to ea sports to use the afc richmond team in online play candidly i have played as them you know so it's fun playing as roy kent uh in the fifa game but that's kind of how licensing works right and it's really exciting to just see that licensor-licensee relationship. And I think what Evan's talking about is essentially underlining how important it is for brands to essentially do an audit of what their IP portfolio looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, Take a hard look at what trademarks you have, what copyrights you have, what have you created that, and I'm speaking you as in like the proverbial you, the brand, what has the brand created that now they can create an additional stream of revenue. So for example, with Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso, you know, you created a bevy of different characters. Now, how do you take those characters and do something more with it outside the screen with an Apple TV show? You do it by teaming up with EA Sports. Ironically, just go show you how it's a two-way street. Now, the creators of Ted Lasso have entered into a deal with Premier League. So now in season three, or I think, see, I don't know if they incorporated it Uh, in this season. I think it was season two. Well, no, season going forward, uh, they're going to have the Premier League teams. Right, like they, actual logos. The actual logos. Right. Before, they didn't have that license, but now they're able to do that. And that was a, a several hundred thousand dollar deal. I huge, did research on that. A huge, huge get. Um, Super Nintendo World, you know, it highlights, again, how you can have a iconic video game character outside the video game sphere. You can incorporate him in a location-based experience. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that this really, really stresses how uh, brands really need to consider how they can take whatever portfolio they've built and expand on it. And they're making millions of dollars from one stream of revenue. Why not do it in multiple streams of revenue? So it's a credit to the brands for recognizing and essentially kind of giving the people what they want, because I'm sure that they've strived for something like this. And we talked about this last week, too, when Warner Brothers Discovery shuttered Batgirl. Yeah. And Warner Brothers owns or is partial owner to the Ted Lasso mark. So this is a way of recouping revenue rather than releasing the Batman. I think they they use like tax write-offs as, yes, as the excuse. Exactly right, yeah. It was unreleasable and it gave tax write-offs. <laughs> um, but again, this is a huge revenue stream. I, I don't know how much of the cut they're going to get, but a several hundred thousand dollar deal to mainly to really just use logos in yeah. production is crazy. Yeah. So people, the industries, uh, the studios are getting very creative and we love to see it. So we wanted to wrap up today's episode by sharing 
our three favorite movie trilogies. We decided to do this to commemorate the uh, release of Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, let me say the right uh, title, and the upcoming Guardians now, of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now say Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania three times. Yeah, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're watching the video clip uh, that we'll be uploading on, on uh, social media, uh, we have our Ant-Man popcorn bucket, and Evan has his uh, Star-Lord helmet here yes. on display. We also have our BB-8 here. Yeah, BB-8, of From course. the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. Yep. And then Batman our from... Batman Bobblehead. Yeah, from the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, so so here are my three favorite movie trilogies. First, we're going to kick it off with uh, Star Wars, the original trilogy. So for me, uh, I got into Star Wars when the f- episode one came out. Um, had no knowledge of now, Star Wars. episode one, the Phantom Menace episode. The Phantom Menace, Menace rather. Um which uh, featured, oh man, what's the kid that played Anakin, the kid? Uh, Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd, right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, I almost didn't get it. Jake Lloyd. <laughs> I, was, I was counting on you, man. Yes. I was counting on you. No, is it Jake Lloyd? I think it's Jake yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's right. That's okay, right. Good. Um, I definitely know we have uh, Liam Neeson, who played Qui-Gon Jinn, which was like an epic performance. Um, and don't forget my Of favorite. course, of course. How could I forget? The Obi-Wan Kenobi. Your, Ewan Mc- your Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, the original trilogy is was my intro into the uh, Star Wars uh, lexicon and the, the story of it. Just w- a wonderful story. Actually learned once I got to uh, uh, EP English in high school that the storyline for Star Wars, the original trilogy, was based on Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. Hmm. Um, Did not so, know this. Yeah, very interesting story. Basically, like, you know, here's the here's the hero. He faces calamity. He's in the belly of the whale, and then he comes out of it, and, you know. It sounds like every, after. like, superhero movie yeah. ever. Though. That's a story arc for everybody. Okay, good. So, yeah. So, that's the—I love the original. Obviously, you know, James Earl Jones has the voice of Darth Vader. It's mm-hmm. an iconic performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Hamill's great. The great Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, just uh, Anthony Daniels as uh, C-3PO, just great performances um, all around. So I definitely rank the Star Wars original trilogy up there. My second is the Dark Knight trilogy, the Christopher Nolan uh, trilogy um, that features Christian Bale as Batman. I I love Batman. I would say Batman is my favorite comic book character of all time. I love the the Batman with Robert Pattinson. We went to see it opening uh, opening weekend. Gotham Planetarium. The Gotham Planetarium. We talked about it last week. I love that movie so much. That was an exceptional movie. But obviously, we don't have a trilogy yet. As much as I love that Batman as a complete whole package, the Chris Nolan uh, Batman uh, Dark Knight trilogy is just exceptional. Um, great villains. Great storyline. Realism pouring through the veins of that movie. Right, right up there. And then lastly. Uh, the Back to the Future trilogy, probably my favorite trilogy of all time, my first foray into the sci-fi genre. Um, and, you know, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd w- were Rick and Morty before Rick and Morty was Rick and Morty, uh, <laughs> you know. So it, there's no no Literally, comparison. like there's a lot of... It, the, was, is it based off Back yes, to... Yes, yes. Okay, it has it to is, be. It is. Um, 100%. Obviously, like way more... Uh, <laughs> uh, crude. Way, yeah, way more crude. But uh, it's a really, really wonderful uh, movie trilogy. Um, The second Back to the Future movie is excellent. Um, It's really, really good. And Back to the Future is coming to Broadway. Yes. I actually have tickets for that. You bought them already? My mom bought me tickets for my birthday. How about that? Yeah. So going to go see it. And we went to New York Comic Con, or I went to New York Comic Con this year, and they actually had a display for it. They had a DeLorean there. Yep. 
which was really awesome to see. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Uh, it's currently in the West End. Uh, Roger Bart, yes. is, uh, who, who, as some might know, played the singing voice of Hercules. Oh. Did you not know that? No, no, I didn't you, know You that. know the song Go the Distance? Yes, That's yes. Roger Bart. Wow, that's yes. really cool. And I think he's playing uh, Doc in this one. Oh, okay. Doc Brown. Okay. Um, pretty sure. And well, it's coming to the Winter Garden Theater where the Music Man just closed in January. Yeah, yeah so I'm really looking forward to that performance. And uh, yeah, Back to the Future, if you haven't seen it, definitely... Uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's an excellent, excellent movie trilogy. You know, you're gonna you're gonna hate me for this. <laughs> I saw Back to the Future, the first one, for the first time last year. How did you like it? I, I think you want my honest opinion. Yes, please. I think for when it came out, which was 1980, it, I, think, I think 1980. I think it's, uh, 80 I think or 82. Yeah, 80 or 82. Yeah. For that time period, it must have been crazy. Just the thought of, you know, traveling at the speed of light. I, I don't know. I thought the story was a little weak. Okay. You're giving me okay. the eyes right now. Yeah. Great performances, and, and, and it goes down as an iconic movie. Um, you know, maybe I have to revisit it again. I'll be On first brush, maybe I just wasn't in it. I'm going to tell you this. I, I felt that way originally, but as I watched it more, okay. I really came to love it. But I'm telling you, the second Back to the Future movie is bar none the best one of them all. Okay. It's really, really good. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, so for my three, um, we do have some overlap. <laughs> I do have Star Wars, the original trilogy. Um, the original meaning episodes four through six. Yes. The story of Luke Skywalker. Um, and, 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 you know, again, as you said, inspired performances, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, the late Peter Mayhew and and Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford. He's And we talked about him, I think, last week. He's still kicking it. Yep. He's great, and uh, he's played Han Solo in a lot of the Star Wars movies. I think he's done with the character. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I think episode six, Return of the Jedi, is a low-key banger. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, the whole so. Jabba the Hut scene and everything. Yeah. A lot of fun. Uh, and speaking of Harrison Ford, <laughs> Indiana Jones, one through three. I know I mentioned this last week. You know, just the, the first movie goes down as one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Temple of Doom, it was okay. Didn't didn't love it, but it has iconic scenes, you know, fighting on the bridge and taking the heart out and everything. <laughs> it, un- unbelievable. And Indiana Jones 3, that dynamic with the late Sean Connery to yep. Junior. You know, uh, the, you're going to see a lot of impressions coming up in the next 30 oh, seconds. Hold on to your seat for this one, folks. So you have Sean <laughs> Junior. Um, you know, I think they had a great dynamic and, and he's just so classy Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, just so suave. That one scene in Raiders where he just pulls out the gun when, uh, the, the guy was flinging the rope everywhere and everything. And he just amazing. Which which one now refresh my recollection because it's been a while. Which one is the Indiana Jones movie where the guy melts and you see the skeleton? That's the first one. Yeah, that's the first one. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So good. Uh, I mean. The, The practical effects. I mean, and I think ILM. May have done the effects. I'm there. almost certain they did. They did. Yes. They've been around industrious indu- industry, 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 light and magic. Yeah, industri- in- industrial light and magic. Industrial. Like okay, yeah. I almost got it. Uh, they they've been around for some time. They've done all the Star Wars movies, and they've you know. Done... I think they've even done some James Cameron movies as well. I'm almost oh. certain they've done. I'm I'm almost certain they did Aliens, if not mistaken. The Cameronoff. Oh, and again, when we recorded our podcast last week, I didn't see Titanic yet, and I rewatched it, and wow, it's what good. a masterpiece! <laughs> you know, when, when I first started watching when I was younger, I was like, yeah, it's kind of draggy a little bit, you know, but it's really fast paced. Yeah. Can't, even Avatar too is it's it's fast paced. You know, and you have the little exposition in the beginning, but 
it, it's a good payoff. Yeah. And then lastly would be the Lord of the Rings uh, original trilogy. I know they had the Hobbit spinoff and now Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, mm-hmm. which candidly I have not watched yet. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. Is there really any greater trilogy than the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Especially because it came out in 2001. Yeah. In, in a three-year time span. Fellowship of the Ring 2001. Two Towers 2002 and Return of the King in 2003. With the graphics that they have, I mean, yes. it's very impressive. Peter Jackson, yeah. unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable performance. And we talked about impressions. <laughs> Tony's laughing. Oh, I'm so ready for this. So I can do a somewhat okay go- Gollum, Golem, however you pronounce it, Tomato Tomato. Uh, <laughs> and, and Smeagol is, is who he was before right. he turned into this Cretanous character. Um, okay, so we actually have people looking in at the podcast studio right now. They're gonna they're gonna love this. So I'm, you should get into posture. No, too. no, I'm not doing I'm not doing posture. So here we go. Master, he's lying. I would never do it to the Hobbit says, No, 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 Smeagol, never. That's all I'm gonna do. It sounded a little like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, but uh, all right, I'll give you my Scooby Doo rating on that one. Woo, Scooby Woo, loves that. <laughs> oh my God! But yeah, I mean, Gollum. The opening of episode or episode the third movie, Return of the King, where you see his transition into the character. Talk about practical effects. Oh yeah. What and Andy Circus, who plays the voice and does all the the motion capture for Planet of the Apes, and he is. He does not get enough credit. Definitely. No question. Very asked. talented actor. And actually, I implore people to watch Andor. the behind the, the scenes of him in uh, the mocap suits. Yes. I thought you were going to say Andor. Oh, no, no, not Andor. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, that too is good. But watch his behind the scenes for in mocap suits for Planet of the Apes and for Lord of the Rings. Yes. He transforms into a new character. It's, yes. And he's just a great actor. I mean... Even his performance in Black Panther as Ulysses Claw, like yeah. like a, such a grim character, really, really great actor. And I think, you know, obviously it's a credit to him to be able to embrace that, you know, Gollum character so so masterfully. I don't know if I would rank him uh, uh, with James Earl Jones in terms of iconic voices, but his like deep voice, you know it's Andy Serkis when Absolutely. he played Snoke in episode eight, Last Jedi. Yeah. He's he's a great yeah. great actor. Great actor, maybe not so great with uh, Venom 2, but you know, we'll <laughs> let that pass, you know. Was he even in Venom 2? I don't think so. I think he just directed it. Oh, you're right. No. Did he? Yeah. He just, I'm almost certain he just directed it. Well, news release today. Venom 3 is in pre-production. Oh. Did you know wait. that? I did know <laughs> I did know about that, but uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see how Let that there be carnage. <laughs> it, was, it was carnage. That's, that's all we'll say on that. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our second podcast of End Scene. Uh, time for the thank yous. We want to thank my cousin, Hunter Zarin. You could find out all of his songs on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever they're streaming, Hunter, Z-A-R-I-N. And I want to also take a moment to thank, on behalf of Evan, P&T Knitwear Studio, Podcast Studio, and Bookstore here in 180 Orchard Street in the Lower East Side. Uh, many thanks to Serge and Felicia for being so accommodating and allowing us to record in the studio. And most importantly, we want to thank all of you for listening to our second episode of End Scene. If you have any questions or comments that we said, as we said at the top of the podcast, definitely reach out to us. We're happy to chat with you. And until next time, End End Scene. Scene.